Chapter 3. Tribal Justice. I am from the Sickle clan of the Wurton tribe, and I will earn my place among my people, and join the ranks of the fused. Roland had repeated his mantra all through and after the ambush of the outsiders. He mouthed it as Artemis' rock eagle ignited the scene, tossing a full-grown man into a tree trunk before it dissipated into a black cloud laced with golden essence. Outsider arrows hissed through the space it had occupied a breath before. Roland repeated the words as he raised his bow to take aim, but every target he sighted upon quickly became filled with two or three arrows apiece. His repetition fell to a whisper as more arrows rained in from all directions amidst the dying screams of a dozen outsiders. Only three of his clansmen caused the onslaught. The heightened senses and strength of the fused allowed for such a display. None fired faster than Roland's former bow instructor, Daedra. She was also the only one he could see from his vantage point behind a fallen trunk. She had spun out from behind a tree while kneeling. Arrows already neatly buried point first into the ground lined up beside her. Her swift hands plucked, drew, and released arrow after arrow in singular motions, not appearing to have taken aim once. Yet every arrow found purchase in the chest of an outsider. The ridged greyback fused to her had coalesced to charge in. It streamed out from her chest in a flowing pool of black smoke interwoven with golden essence. Every arrow she sent carefully took out any threat to her wolf companion until it completed its charge, tearing through the chaotic ranks and taking a terrified outsider with it and out the far side. It hadn't been fear that stayed Roland's hands, but rather the shock of the devastation unleashed over the span of a few heartbeats, and at the merciless ease which it had been delivered. Valda's terse warning to the trespassers had been uncompromising. Surely, he had known what would follow and the capabilities of his fused. Roland would have guessed for his father to restrain from utterly annihilating the outsiders. The results couldn't have been further from that presumption, accentuated by the meticulous finishing of dying men and women by Valda's team with their blades. Roland had sank down behind his trunk at the sight of it all, his mantra just a silent thought continuing in his head, unable to drown out the dying pleas of outsiders. This hadn't been how he had pictured this going. He had snuck out of their village to follow Valda's team and help them turn the tide in dealing with the outsiders. At the time, hearing that only three of their clans fused would face off against a dozen trespassers, Roland had thought it another one of his father's tests. Something designed to draw Roland out and test his mettle and skills in advance of the coming trials. He was always undergoing tests and training, and training for tests. Valdar had made it the sole purpose of Roland's life over the past ten years. He had thought himself ready, ready for the trials, and ready to deal with anything his father could throw at him. And yet Roland had failed, unable to find the ability to add his arrows or blades to the death he had witnessed. If experiencing his failure hadn't damned his tribal aspirations sufficiently, witnessing his father's capability of performing such an act made Roland question his future desires entirely. Valdar was an icon among his clan, an elder, and fused to an extremely rare white stag. Did mother know this would happen? Would she have even acted any different and been just as ruthless? Roland sat there for what felt like hours, contemplating his situation. He still had the trials to face after the season changed and then, he couldn't say. A sound foreign to the pine forest disrupted his thoughts. At first, he thought his father's team had returned, probably to scold Roland for his inaction. They had to have known he followed them. 
Daedra was fused to a wolf for the mother's sake. Her fused companion would have picked up on his scent as soon as they departed the village. He sighed, readying himself for the confrontation. When he stood and turned around, he didn't find his clansmen. Instead, only the scattering of dead outsiders across the forest floor greeted him. Then he spotted her, off to the side of where most of the outsiders lay. A woman dressed in dirt-smudged leathers knelt over one of the fallen. Her mousy brown hair matched the color of her garments. She fiddled about violently with the dead man's boot. It took Roland a moment to recall that the man before her had been their leader, but he didn't remember this woman among their number. Was she a separate party, a lone intruder who had slipped into Illyrian lands unnoticed? No, that couldn't be possible with a network of scouts the Outer Rim clans like his deployed. Roland surmised her as an oversight by Valda's team, but even that possibility seemed unlikely. No, he would have known of this woman, just as he would have known Roland had followed from their village. My test, Roland realized. This was why Valdar had let his plan slip, so that Roland would follow. Not to deal with the band of outsiders, but to see this final detail of tribal justice dealt out. This conclusion made him grind his teeth in anger. How could his father do this to him? What would this prove? Is the Illyrian way to be without mercy and absolute in its justice? There was nothing but centuries of war and blood between the outsiders and Illyrians, the sad result of encroachments, thefts, wars, then treaties in a never-ending cycle. He knew his people had justification for their ways and what was expected of him now. And what angered Roland the most was that he wasn't sure he could go through with it. Setting his bow aside, he withdrew his blades and gritted his teeth. While made from the same, black asterium or as his clansmen's, neither weapon had been worked by the elemental forge in Wurton where they could be properly shaped. Their uneven surfaces held a matte finish. His eye-tack lacked the slight curve that the short sword would need for most Kudan forms. And his talon, the short hand axe was a joke. It barely had an edge that could chop wood, and its pick on the backside didn't have half the length required to earn its namesake. Each step came with increasing weight as he approached the woman, though he remained light of foot. Too many years of hunter training held fast against the emotions flooding him. Still, somehow the woman rose to flee as if she had heard him, before suddenly darting back down to search the dead outsider again. Roland quickened his pace, silently covering the gap and pulling up a handful of strides away. With hands gripping his blades, he asked the one question he had been wondering this whole time. Why did you have to come here? He didn't only mean it in terms of this woman's return to search the dead. She must have known that his clansmen had removed all of the stolen elemental stones from their bodies. But why did her party have to come into the mountains at all? Trespassing alone could earn them a quick death, let alone stealing the precious elemental stones that formed in the mountains and heartland beyond. He couldn't hold back his anger at this woman, not specifically for what she and her people had done, but for the situation it now put him in. The woman had stood and whirled about with a dagger bared. She didn't reply to his question. Her fearful eyes held a touch of defiance in them. It reminded him of a cornered animal. Unsure of how to press the situation, he let his eyes slip down to the dead outsider. The man's pack's content spilled out onto the pine needle-covered floor beside him, along with his removed boot. Roland's brow furrowed, what had she been searching for, and had she found it? 
A glint of sunlight off polished steel disrupted his chain of thought, and instincts drilled into him took hold. He leaned back, swiping his blades out before him in the bending glade form. One struck her dagger as his feet slid across the ground to create distance. Determination replaced the woman's fearful defiance from a moment before. She attacked with ferocity, swiping her dagger in constant arcs. He shifted into the dancing leaf and then the stalker's grace as their blades met again and again. His transitions were sluggish, but their precision kept him a step ahead of her relentless attacks. The surprise of her abrupt attack wore off and he gained the upper hand. Then she dropped down to the ground, avoiding a swipe from his eye attack, one which he hoped that she would block. His flittering moment of relief turned into shock as one of her legs swept across the ground, stirring pine needles and taking his feet out from under him. The impact with the hard terrain drove the breath from his lungs. No sooner than he regained the ability to breathe, she was on him again, leaping with teeth and dagger bared. Abandoning his blades, he caught her before she could bury eight inches of steel into his chest. Videntop bolus blitchy, she snarled as she pressed every ounce of her weight into the arrested blade. That was when Roland regained his senses, realizing he outweighed the woman by nearly double. He promptly tossed her off to the side, where she rolled across the hard ground to collide with the rocky outcropping next to her dead companion. Roland found his feet first, grabbing both his blades and charging in. He adopted the gale form as he reared back with his talon, preparing to land his axe's blade into the outsider. The woman rose to her feet with a disoriented expression. As she focused in on him, he saw something different in her eyes. He couldn't explain what it was, an odd familiarity perhaps, or a momentary glimpse into the woman beneath the skin. Whatever it was, it diverted his sailing blade wide to bury itself into the stone inches from her face. The impact and spray of stone broke her momentary lapse of focus, but his eye tax tip pressing firmly against her gut dissuaded any further retaliation. They stood there, panting with faces less than a foot apart for a few heartbeats. Then his frustrations at still not being able to finish the task took hold. He lowered his blades with a growl and took a few steps back. Just what are you doing here, he asked. Puzzlement filled her features for a blink of an eye before vanishing. She pointed a dagger at her dead companion. That bastard owes me money. This time she had spoken Old Imperial plainly enough, though with a strange, gravelly accent. However, upon hearing her words, it was Roland's turn to be confused. Perhaps noticing as much, the woman added, you know, embers? Coin? Absolutely anything worth a damn? I only came back to collect before getting the elements out of this cursed place. He had heard of the concept of coin, though his people had no place for it. Looking her over, he noticed the dagger again and how it fit up to the empty sheath in the dead outsider's discarded boot. He also caught the piece of parchment she clutched in offhand. A letter perhaps? What good it could have served towards her desire for coin, he couldn't guess. The blood soaked into its fibers served as a reminder of what his father's team had done to her people. She might deserve the same fate, at least in the eyes of his tribe she did. Only Roland couldn't find it in him to deal out such a punishment. And if that meant he failed this little test, then so be it. He found himself shaking his head and pointing his eye tack down the mountain. Just go. Be gone, he said, letting his frustration flare out with the words. And whatever you do, don't ever come back into these mountains again. 
The next Illyrian won't be as forgiving with your trespasses as me, and most likely come that day, neither will I. She barked out a laugh. Forgiving? She glanced at her fallen companions before burying her incredulous smile. You needn't worry about that. The shadow will take me before I ever think of stepping foot up here again. Roland watched her descend the rise and fade into the forest. He couldn't block out the voice in his head that deemed him a failure, but he also knew he would make the same decision again if given the chance. After leaving, he didn't walk for more than five minutes before stumbling into Valdar, Daedra, and Artemé waiting in the forest. The amber-hued eyes of the huntress scanned Roland up and down from beneath her leather taisha, but her impassive expression gave no hint as to the results of her evaluation. Artemé stared off into the empty space before him. A cloudy haze filled his eyes, a sign that he bore a link with his rock eagle at that moment, seeing the world through its eyes. Was he already back to scouting the outer rim, or searching for the woman that Roland had let go? Valdar on the other hand stood with muscular arms folded across his leather vest. His bearded face, flecked with grey stared with a distant, blank expression off into the forest floor. The act mirrored Artemis, only Valdar's eyes weren't clouded. Only those fused with birds had the ability to share the vision of their companion. Still, Valdar had that look about him quite often. He seemed oblivious to Roland's arrival. The clan elder blinked a few times before turning partly towards Roland. Valdar didn't speak though, nor did he seem surprised at his son's arrival. Perhaps he expected Roland to say something. Roland's growing anger and frustration triggered before he could think better of it. You didn't have to do that, he spat. As easily as you killed them all, you could have let a few go. Valdar turned fully to face him. The movement caused the marriage braid that hung over the front of his taisha to dangle next to his brow. Several strands of colorful twine wrapped it, one for every year of marriage with Roland's mother. He wore the taisha of a fused, a three-finger-wide leather band that wrapped around his head. Tooling decorated its circumference, depicting images for his fusion, those of his parents, and his clan's crest. With a flat expression, Valdar asked, you mean like you did with that girl? The idea that he had been watching the whole time burned Roland's insides. I've had enough of all your games and stupid tests. Just what was this supposed to prove anyway? The moment he said it, he wished he could take it back. Valdar wasn't just his father. He was an elder in the clan, a prominent member of the tribe, and next in line to become keeper. To Valdar's credit, he didn't bite at the harsh words. He merely sighed and looked to his fellow clansmen. Artemé, he called. The scout stirred out of his trance, taking several seconds to regain focus. As the haze left his eyes their bright amber color returned. Looking back at his leader he replied, she's heading down the ridge and away from the mountains. Roland's fists clenched as his frustrations grew. While he always knew they watched him, it hit harder to have it confirmed in such a way. Valdar nodded in acknowledgement before inclining his head off towards the woods behind them. The two fused responded with an equal measure of silence. Not even their footfalls made a sound as they walked away. Valdar waited until they departed earshot before continuing. I know it's hard for you to see the value in how you are prepared, he said. Is that what you call this? Roland hooked a thumb back the way he had come. You wanted me to witness how we dispatch tribal justice, and for what? 
To see if I have the bones to dispatch it myself to a lone and desperate survivor? Son, Valdar spoke through clenched teeth. Remember your place. Not only am I your father, but I am your clan elder. Sneaking out of the village like you did as a youth should earn you half a dozen lashes. I didn't order or ask you to come on this task, you took that upon yourself. Roland bit his tongue to hold himself back. His father was right. The old bastard was always right, and that infuriated Roland as much as anything else. Valdar pointed back toward the ambush scene. But did I want you here to see that? Yes, I did. It's important to know how things are done. I, tribal law is harsh, but it serves a purpose. If not smothered with a heavy hand, the incursions will grow and soon become full-on invasions. We've gone longer than ever since the last outsider war thanks to these actions. Perhaps one day we will find a better means to maintain peace with outsiders beyond our treaties and the methods of their enforcement, but that day has yet to come. Roland felt the fight drain out of him. He kicked a stray pebble by his feet, unsure what to say. He knew as well as any the issues with outsiders, despite not yet being born when the last war broke out. Even though that had occurred fifty years ago, his father and mother had witnessed it up close. Being fused extended their lifespans long enough to see a son die in that war, and several more children perish in the same trials that Roland currently prepared for. All of which they felt necessary to remind him of with each passing wave of the seasons. Well, he began hesitantly, I didn't do it. The woman I mean. I didn't kill her. She was a scrappy thing, but I could have. I just couldn't do it. Valdar nodded as if this was expected. That's good. You weren't meant to. So, the test was to show her mercy? Who said it was a test? You only needed to meet her. Perhaps showing mercy was part of it. Or perhaps seeing how the tribe handles such matters, and to make your own decision was the mother's will. Whatever the case, only the mother knows and only time will tell. Roland cocked an eyebrow. His father always talked oddly like that, going on about the mother and time, oblivious to the fact that no one ever knew what in the elements he went on about. Valdar began walking to break the drawn-out silence. Roland noticed the direction his father took, back towards the scene of the ambush. Where are you going? Roland asked. You aren't going to hunt that poor woman down, are you? Elements no, Valdar replied with a shake of his head before pointing his finger towards Roland and back to himself. We are going to go back and build pyres for the fallen. But why? They are outsiders. Even our enemies must be returned into the elemental cycle and the mother's embrace. This has been the way since before the founders of the four tribes. Now come along, you and your talon have a lot of wood to chop, and you best hurry if we are to make it back before the Stormwall's arrival.